Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Our sponsor this week is Sutton Seeds of Torquay. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some of the latest news, views and a bit of timely advice on all things gardening. Later on, I'll be speaking to Boyd Douglas Davies, who is really at the sharp end of garden centres reopening. It's uh, quite a move after some seven weeks of complete shutdown. There'll be a number of uh, problems to face. And as far as gardeners are concerned, not least the weather. You know, we usually start this little chat with uh, what's been happening on the weather front. And two days ago, across the country, a frost down to minus four and minus five really is a, a nightmare for gardeners where people had potatoes well up, even under fleece. Uh, the foliage was turned black and, and strawberries where they were in flower. As we mentioned just a week or two ago, that yellow centre was turned black and I'm afraid uh, those aren't going to produce ripe strawberries. Uh, interestingly, one or two uh, gardeners tell me that they have strawberries with the fruit formed and even changing colour. I mean, that's unbelievably early. They were under fleece, which would bring them on a bit, but this is a remarkably early season. And having minus five night frosts is a, a great horror story. I hear that in Oxfordshire, uh, even the asparagus was just reduced to slop, you know, young shoots full of water, frozen, and then just completely killed off. In the case of the asparagus, of course, more shoots will come. Uh, and let's just hope next weekend the weather does get a little warmer, as I think it is uh, forecast to do. On the news front, uh, I suppose the main talking thing uh, has to be the opening of garden centres, and it's going to create all kinds of problems, not least as far as plant supply is concerned. This is a time of year when lots of us are looking for summer flowering bedding. And of course the growers just stopped growing for those seven weeks of shutdown. And so inevitably, I'm afraid, there's going to be a bit of a gap before more stuff comes online. There's plenty of hardy stuff about, hardy perennials, shrubs, trees, all that kind of thing. But it's the uh, very seasonal petunias, begonias, 
geraniums, those kinds of things which could well be in short supply. Although there's some chance that in a week or two's time, much bigger specimens, plants that six weeks ago should have been sold and were potted on, uh, will come available. So we'll just have to uh, keep our fingers crossed and see the way things go. There is news coming out about a number of new plants because given the normal year, next week would have been Chelsea Flower Show and a whole range of new plants would be introduced. I hear that the famous rose company Harkness, who've been breeding new roses since 1879, that's some heritage, isn't it, have just introduced a new rose. It's called the Phantom Rose and it's for the Rolls-Royce Bespoke Collection. It's a fully double white to cream I suppose you could call it a phantom colour. Looks like a very pretty rose. I've not grown it. Just chase up to find out uh, how good it is and how much it uh, will free flower. The government is considering a nature volunteer force, a kind of citizen's army, to monitor invasive species. It's one of a number of recommendations following the Environmental Audit Committee's report on invasive species, such as the oak processionary moth and Himalayan balsam. I mean, the first thing you need is to have spot these invasive arrivals. Until somebody spot them, you can't do much about it. So a citizen's army could be quite useful in this respect. Now the time's coming when uh, most of the nation have a bit of a go at growing tomatoes and so it seems timely just to talk a little bit about them. Particularly if you're new to gardening, you need to be a bit selective about the kind of tomato cultivar you're going to grow. In greenhouses, well, and in the open ground, we grow tomatoes up a single stem, cordon style, what are called indeterminate types. I'm thinking of, uh, well, the very old style Shirley or Moneymaker, just grown up a single stem. Uh, but today we'd be looking for much better quality kinds. Uh, my standard is sun gold a golden-coloured fruited cherry type, but with beautiful flavour. So if uh, you've got room, got soil or a greenhouse, then look for the uh, indeterminates. If you want to grow in pots or containers, um, even on a balcony, then you need the bush types, uh, a variety called Red Alert, if you can find it anywhere, is a really good bush variety has a little bit larger than cherry-sized fruits, but uh, has a good flavour too. A number of the old-fashioned bush kinds really, in my view, weren't worth eating. Uh, There are several uh, improvements coming along, uh, and I'm trialling a very compact, neat-habited variety called Veranda. So uh, I'll uh, report on that in due course. But if you are out, 
going to a retail nursery or garden centre that are now open and looking to buy tomato plants, then the thing to do is to check the original seed leaves just above the soil, those two oval-shaped leaves, they need to be green. If they're yellow, um, or even worse, brown, it's an indication that the plant has been checked. Similarly, if the foliage is a bit purple, that means that uh, they've had a really cold chill. And with a check like that, will take some little time to recover. So you're much better to shop about, perhaps wake a week or two, because as the weather gets warmer, so they'll grow faster and be uh, much better plants to set out in your own garden or containers. Lots of tomatoes, of course, are grown in grow bags. Usually, full-size grow bag will take three plants. But if you're away at the weekend or not available to do a bit of watering pretty well daily, then if you reduce the number and just put two to a bag, then the margin for error will increase tremendously. I think for uh, the average homeowner, if they've got a little spot of land somewhere nice and warm, particularly against a south fence or wall, and you could plant uh, the traditional indeterminate types in the soil, you'll find that they'll be uh, pretty easy to grow. But whatever happens, watch the forecast at night. They'll need a, a lot of covering up if there's a chance of another minus four degrees centigrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. My guest today is Boyd Douglas Davis. Boyd, where are you today? It's quite a nice sunny day here in Essex. I can tell you it's a gorgeous day in Carmarthen in South Wales. The sun's been shining all day. It's absolutely lovely. Life has been a bit tricky in recent weeks. Can you set the scene for us a bit as it's been and what's going to happen? Yes, the last few weeks, well, seven weeks now, we've been closed in all the garden centres in the UK. And then yesterday in Wales, we were able to open our garden centre over here. And tomorrow we'll be able to open all the garden centres in England, in addition to the ones in Wales. But... Um, this has been a long, long, very difficult spring for the garden centre and nursery trade. You can't really make up everything, can you? No, no, I don't think we can. I think the, the next few weeks will be 
busy, but of course, garden centres are going to open with all the social distancing rules in place. And that in itself will limit the number of people that can come into a garden centre each day. And we've lost seven of the best weeks that any of us can ever remember, haven't we? From a weather perspective, it's been just such great gardening weather. I, I don't remember an April like it. Unbelievable. Day after day, lovely sunny weather. Beautiful. Yeah. But Boyd, you're ahead of us in Wales, so how did it go the first day or so? Uh, it, it went well. It did go well, yes. Uh, we had people waiting outside in the car park before we opened uh, yesterday, and we had the same again this morning. And there's been a steady flow of people who are so pleased to be able to get back into the garden centre and, and get hold of seasonal plants. Um, and it's gone very well. People have been very good about the social distancing. The customers have uh, kept their distance from staff and communicated at uh, three or even four metre distances. And they've been in buying plants, compost and all their gardening goods. And how does it actually work then? Do you have a one-way system? Yes, you park up and then you join a queue. Uh, When you get to the head of the queue, you get given a shopping trolley which has been cleansed and uh, is sterilised ready for you. And it's a one-way flow down through gardening to the end of the shop. You turn across the end, you come then back up the other side of the shop and that brings you to the pay point. Uh, The floor is marked out with two metre markings across the carpeting. Uh, Outside we've got markings as well and plenty of signage reminding people. We've put in the Perspex screens at the till point because that's the one place when, of course, you get probably the closest to a member of staff when you come to pay. But we've created a nice safe situation where you you push your trolley ahead of you, you then step back, we then step forward and scan all the items and uh, add them up for you. We step back, you step forward to pay with your, your credit or debit card and then you take your goods away back out to the car park and so you come back out in a different place to where the queue is going in so there's complete separation from end to end you sound pretty well organized Boyd, but then you always were (laughs) (laughs) thank you well we knew we were going to reopen didn't we that was the one thing which we knew but we just didn't know when so we've been planning this for weeks and weeks and weeks yeah boys when i first met you you were at uh, the big Webb's Garden Centre in Droitwich. I was, Your yes. life has changed quite a bit, hasn't it? Oh, yes. Yes, I was at Webb's for 20 years and um, enjoyed every minute of it and uh, a lot of good friends there still. And then I left there back in 2011, bought my first garden centre in September 11, then grew a group up in the Midlands here, really, and then I merged the whole group in with Charles Stubbs and his family, and uh, we joined the British Garden Centres, a uh, group of garden centres, uh, at the end of the year just gone. So, yeah, a big adventure. That's a pretty formidable lot, British Garden Centres, isn't it? Yes, yes. I mean, this time last year, British Garden Centres had 16 sites in the uh, in the UK um, and was predominantly northeast-based. Um, Charles and his brother Robert and uh, Charles' wife Philippa had built the business up in the, the northeast out of Lincolnshire, where they, they come from, and over 30 years created this group. And then they bought up um, some centres in early last year from Wyvale, and that got them to 16, and then they bought more through the summer and autumn, and then our group merged with them from September last year, and they finished the year with 57. So, yes, dramatic, dramatic change for, for the whole family and everybody, and um, we joined uh, just at the sort of final piece. That's not all you've got to do, is it? I mean, you have other responsibilities. Well, I... Uh, I, I I think I volunteered or was I press ganged? I don't know how these things work, but I took on the presidency of 
the Horticultural Trade Association last September. Uh, you know, it's a great honour to um, be president of of that organisation. The HTA, as as we call it, um, uh, is really the overarching uh, organisation that looks after the interests of everybody in horticulture. We look after landscapers, growers, retailers. We have manufacturers, nearly 1,500 members in the UK. And, of course, it's been a, a very big year uh, for the membership in, in many ways. So the last few weeks, of course, very traumatic. That's almost a full-time... Well, no, it is a full-time job, trying to look after the interests of hundreds <laughs> of, of, of big and small horticultural businesses. You've been lobbying hard, not just for garden centres to open, but also uh, trying to get some support for the whole of the nursery yeah. business. Well, we've got a lot of nursery members and we, we very quickly realised when lockdown occurred that for the nursery industry, it was absolutely catastrophic because everything they're doing is happening for months and months in advance and they're growing these plants and none of us probably realised the sheer scale of the numbers until we had to actually start adding them up. The plants were being grown for the spring season. You know, the, the, the industry is so professional nowadays, it really knows the science behind plant production and so many plants were just ready at their perfect moment to come into garden centres. Of course, the whole country shut overnight and we all understand why and we can see that the need for that, but instantly the nurseries had nowhere to sell their plants so it's not like any other production in the in the country yeah i was, I was talking to somebody that i said i bet the minute greg's shut their uh, shops they stopped making sausage rolls didn't they you can't stop plants growing can you peter no. and we no. um we suddenly realized very quickly that the nursery industry there was nothing that could be done to change their method of getting plants to customers that would be effective no matter how many plants were delivered by us or how many plants were sold online it's just a drop in the ocean compared to the amount that actually go through garden centers so overnight their their route to customer was closed down and the plants are there on the nurseries um, the biggest challenge they all had the growers was what do you do because a government scheme that allowed them to furlough the staff didn't provide them with the care they then needed to keep the plants alive so ultimately the, the business would fail if they kept their nursery staff on they'd have no income but they've still got a wage bill so the nursery would die um, and the business would fail. Uh, just just horrific, really. In whichever way they looked, they, they found themselves to be looking at dead ends. I like the comparison with um, a second-hand car trade in that if you close them down, they've still got all the cars to sell in the park. We had to engage with government instantly. You know, we knew that there was no waiting and to see what happened. It was a conversation that had to be had straight away. And um, we immediately went to the various departments in government and, and started talking to them and um, made them aware of the, the sheer scale of it. Now, fortunately, of course, George Eustace, the minister in charge of DEFRA, actually used to work on a nursery when he was at um, doing his college years. His middle year was actually spent at the nursery at Bransford Webbs over in the Mulvans. There was, a, there was an open door in terms of his knowledge of the industry back then, but uh, he understood that the seasonality of the plants was critical. And we're fresh produce at the end of the day, aren't we? We're growing a fresh product that that has to be moved to a garden. Um, so, so we worked with them really quickly from horticultural trades. We talked to government at length 
um, in those very early days and really explain to them that the the scale of the industry, the the fact they couldn't just pause everything and wait for the green light to turn the factory production line back on again, that wasn't going to happen. The need for getting those plants out there and, of course, the benefit to all of us to be out there gardening. Uh, when you've got restricted travel and you can't go further afield and you can't socialise with your friends and family, actually being able to get into your garden is one of the greatest therapies, isn't it? I think without question, but then you shouldn't ask me, should you? I'd be a bit no, biased. No. But, but, <laughs> but I think even in the uh, Conservative manifesto, they were talking about planting a million trees. Yeah. You, you have a campaign, I think, in September to see if we can't plant a million. Um, we do. But you need, you need the supply of the trees, don't you? We do, we do, we do. And and that's the that was the scary thing. We could see um, that the... The, the long-term impact of the lockdown was going to leave us with a huge, huge reduction in the amount of nurseries in the UK. That was, um, it wasn't just about this spring. Of course, these guys wouldn't be here for next spring and the spring after if, uh, if they didn't get the opportunity to have some trade. Uh, so, yeah, tomorrow is a really welcome day for the industry and I think for, for the nation, based on my experience down here in Wales for the last two days, um, customers are delighted to be, to be in the garden centre and getting their hands on the plants because time, time's running away, isn't it? If we don't get that, those edibles in, if you don't get your strawberry plants in, you're not going to get your crops this summer. If you don't get your tomatoes planted, you're not going to see them ripen. You know, May, absolutely critical to us. Yeah. With your HCA hat on, there's the whole political situation with plant health and the import. Well, the xylella, that's been, uh, you know, which was probably the biggest single challenge we were facing until this came along. Uh, and xylella is this uh, horrific problem that's ripped through southern Europe, um, devastated the south uh, regions of Italy. It's crossed into Spain and Corsica and it's travelled far and wide across um, sort of central Europe, southern uh, countries. You know, we were really aware of this before, um, this lockdown and if xylella finds its way onto a nursery or onto a garden centre it is um, catastrophic so that's been going on and only just the other week um, new regulations came in in the UK for the importing of what are known to be um, critical host plants to xylella uh, and those came in on the 21st of April and of course all the garden centres and nurseries have been uh, closed during this time but it's it's really important that we keep focus on that because we just cannot have that uh, that problem come across the water you know we have to protect our borders for that one and that's why we need a really strong home production nursery business oh yeah if we if we'd lost these growers now um then uh well horticulture would not look the same for for years if ever to come would it i think this this spring summer we're going to see gardens will look a little bit different yeah there undoubtedly there's going to be plant shortages in the short term um, the growers had to take decisions about whether to to grow on some of the seasonal plants. So I think when customers have come in today, they found a great selection of plants, but not necessarily all the plants they were looking for when they walked through the door. People will have to accept that actually this is the, the season to try something new. And if you can't find the plants you've always had, well, try something different this year and uh, and see how that suits your garden um, and uh, and keep supporting the British plant production because... By golly, uh, it got touch and go the last couple of weeks. To uh, end on a slightly 
write a note. They say that if you want something done, give it to a busy man. And, and you also are a bit involved with a charity called Greenfingers. Yeah, I am. You're right. I'm a trustee of Greenfingers, which is a um, wonderful charity in its 21st year. Greenfingers does this wonderful thing, which is it creates gardens for children in hospices which is uh, often the last place that um, a hospice can afford to spend money on when they've built a new unit or something. They, they find they're looking out of the window onto, a, at best, maybe a patch of grass and, uh, at worst, a rubble uh, left by the builders when they've, when they've gone. So Greenfingers raises money from um, across the country. We've built 55 gardens so far. And every one of them is a wonderful. I mean, that, that's amazing, isn't it? I think I remember being there uh, at the launch day. The concept was to to do this for a year, then, and to build some gardens. And twenty one years later, little did we know that we'd have gone from a couple of gardens to fifty five. And and the gardens have evolved so much since we started. Um, in the in the early days, they were they were beautiful gardens, uh, relaxing places to go to. Then we started realising that actually some fun and uh, water features and playground equipment would be be really appreciated. So we started to incorporate that into the gardens. And from there, we created covered space for uh, treatment or reflection and tranquility, um, places for children to run around with brothers and sisters and parents and grandparents. So the gardens have evolved into a really fundamental part of the hospice and the service that they provide. So it's been incredible. It is wonderful work. I remember going to one in Cambridge and a mother telling me that uh, she was there for respite and had the first undisturbed night's sleep for 12 weeks. Wow, gosh. Well, I, I met a young lad um, whose sister had sadly passed away in a hospice, but he was a, a, a little lad from uh, London. Who's, he came up to me at, uh, and he said, are you the man that built my garden that my sister died in? And in his one sentence, the garden my sister died in, that he said with a happy look on his face, he wasn't sad, he wasn't remembering the hospice and the, the, the equipment and all the environment that comes with what uh, what his sister needed he just remembered the garden and i thought actually that's what we're doing is we're leaving people with memories it just changes that that last few days for people sometimes or provides as you say good respite so so we've we've learned a lot as we've gone along we'll build some more gardens i'm not sure how many will get built now this year because time will uh, uh, dictate that more than anything but um we'll we'll carry on and uh, and make sure they keep on doing the good work but yeah that 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 fills a bit of my my week as well but <laughs> Boyd, I feel guilty at keeping you away from that one-way system at Carmarthen. Thanks very much, Boyd. No, it's a pleasure talking to you, Peter, as always. For my end piece, I've got a quote from Nigel Colburn. I share one or two gardening cruises with uh, Nigel and Ros. He has a great sense of humour and a pretty good gardener too. Uh, and Nigel says, after forking muck all day, the Apre compost hot bath is doubly rewarding. I say, uh, amen to that. I'm just in the process of uh, emptying my compost heap. There's some pretty good stuff in the bottom of it too. I'll be using that to mulch over some well-watered soil to try and hold the moisture in. Uh, and after I've spent uh, several hours on the end of a curved tined fork, emptying out the compost heap, uh, a warm bath would be very welcome. 
My thanks to our sponsor, Sutton Seeds of Torquay. Look forward to chatting to you again next week. Stay safe. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.